This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I feel deeply. My favorite color is green, and my top knot grows about 5% every day. I'm Lizzie. I'm an aspiring coffee connoisseur. I'm a collector of hobbies, and I am a tourist through and through. Hi, I'm Janelle. My daily mantra came from a 10-year-old boy on a mountain bike yesterday. People living out their dreams makes me cry, and I'm stoked over my new GoPro 8. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Okay. Yeah. You need that. You need it that. The air horn was what was like, season, oh, so season two. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, I totally what's the understood it. Yeah. What's the mantra, Janelle? Oh my gosh! I actually Marco Polo this to you, but hold on. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> listen to Marco Polo's Rachel <laughs> in a timely fashion. No, it was so cute. Like, normally I was on my morning walk, and there was a bunch of boys riding their mountain bikes in this little area. I don't know. They were going over jumps or something, and I just, like, overheard him yelling at his friends, and he was like, don't worry. We'll get there. We just need to keep practicing, and I was like, oh. Oh, that is so sweet. I know. I was like, I needed to hear that. I don't know. I don't know about about your friends, but... I'm, like, choking up. (laughs) Dude, in Marco Polo, I said you, I was crying. (laughs) This, like, young kid on a mic. I was just like, oh, my God, you're right. We will get there. We do just need to keep practicing. Yes. I think the weight of words that kids carry is so much more impactful than I think up front, you know? That's adorable. That's adorable. That that is amazing. Thank you for that visual. Yeah. (laughs) So that was fine. I love the top knot, Rachel. That was a lot. Yeah, the top knot was awesome. (laughs) 5%. What an increment, too. Right? I know. Have you truly measured that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Is it real? My hair grows so fast. I think it grows over an inch a month. It's, oh, it's, so, it's so long. like Lizzie do you remember when you first met me I think, yeah like I how short my hair was mm-hmm. and I cut I've cut it once but oh I guess you haven't seen me now it's like mm-hmm. I don't know it's like to the top of my boobs it's crazy oh my god yeah it's Wait, super it, was, long. it was short when I met you yeah it yeah. was even kind of like short when I left yeah, I know. It just, wow. I think it gets to like a certain point and it's just like, here we go. I mean, it might also, I think when it gets longer, it kind of straightens out a little bit. And so I think the, the cur- like it's not quite as curly. And so it seems more drastic because it gets a little heavier. Yeah. Um, but I'm growing it out. And then I told myself like what I wanted to do in my life was just keep growing my hair out and then shaving it off, growing my hair out, shaving it off yeah. um, and donating it. And, um, I'm getting like, so I think when I leave Dallas, it'll be long enough to be able to donate it, which means I would shave it off. And for whatever reason, I am like 
loving the long hair. And I was like, I was kind of sad, but I was like, no, this is good. You don't want to be too attached to anything. So <laughs> she could come to my head shaving party. I also think it's just like super unfair. Oh yeah. Your hair and your head grows really fast, but like you don't have a lot of body hair. Cause I feel like normally people's <laughs> hair grows fast. Like they have more body hair and then I can be like, all right, well at least have I don't know if that's true, but... <laughs> no, have we talked about this? Because that's absolutely true. I and... know, we have talked about it when you did your laser hair removal, and I'm just like, I'm fucking pissed. Like, I always tell myself <laughs> <laughs> that my hair doesn't grow. I'm like, well, at least you don't, like, have to shave stuff as much, or, like, I don't know. And... But you just... Yes, but you have beautiful... Time. Well, you have beautiful sun-kissed skin, oh. and I'm, like, so pale, it just burns and then goes back to paleness, so... We all got our stuff. <laughs> I know. But, but yeah, the hair in the hair department, yeah. I did really luck out. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, own it. Own it. That's yeah. so great. That girl emoji where she's like pumping up her hair or well, whatever one you want. But you know what I'm talking about? My favorite emoji. Yeah. I have, um, you've seen my meme emoji, haven't you? Yes, I have. I literally, well, yes, because I try to send it with every single text I send. <laughs> exactly. Such a baller emoji. I love it. Um, Lizzie, what hobbies do you have? Like, what's your, I mean, I love that you're a collector of hobbies. What's your current one? I love hobbies. Um, (laughs) Really? Well, currently, I don't have quite as many because I am finally working. But obviously, when, you know, unemployed for a year, things pick up. And I love learning languages. Um, I really got into coffee like heavily and I, what else was I doing? Oh, photography and photo editing, um, plans and cooking and just like trying to learn all these new things. I love that. I, Janelle, I feel like the two of you are aspiring I, best friends. I know. I was like, no. Oh. Except for like the opposite because I always said I didn't have hobbies and now I've started to have hobbies, but there's a lot of alignment there. Tell me all your secrets to being good at learning a language though, because I am trash at it. Just kidding. Oh. I'm okay at it, but I feel like I'm trash at what? it. Yeah. What languages are you learning or want to learn? Um, I tried to learn Spanish a long time ago. That's like, okay. I tried to learn Japanese in college. That's completely gone. And then mm-hmm. more recently, I picked up German. Oh, cool. That's cool. Um, well, I didn't preface this in my three facts, which we can like later address because it is, it has become like really important to me, but I'm Thai. I'm Thai American. And I grew up learning a second language or listening to a second language already for my entire life. So I don't know if, if I exactly, I don't know if that is any set of advantage to like phonetically picking up on things because Thai is similar to other Asian languages where it's all, it's like character based, very phonetic and um, have to really listen where like the same word has four different meanings just based on how you say it can mean something completely different so I will say I think I'm fairly fortunate in that regard but I I've always tried to 
learn a language wherever I am. So maybe I don't learn it very well, but I can learn the basics and then try to stay in touch with people who speak that language and like twist their arm to basically talking to me. Like my fiance is from Dallas, speaks Spanish fairly fluently, and I force him into speaking Spanish with me all the time. See, that's okay. I think that's it. I love that. Because one, I was learning German because I wanted to go to Germany this summer. Obviously, that's Mm -hmm. what happened now. But (laughs) but it gave me like, you know, it kept driving me to actually do it. And then I did just meet someone who said they spoke German because I don't have, I have my family back home and they speak German kind of, but like my dad, he's the only one that doesn't. So it's a little bit different. Um, And I was just like, can we just speak German to each other? please because <laughs> yeah it, it like you need to practice I feel like I can comprehend it and I yes. can listen to other people speak German I'm like okay I have a general idea of what you're saying and then when it's my turn to speak mm-hmm. because I haven't practiced I just freeze and I, I, yes. all the words disappear and I'm terrified and then I just use English <laughs> that's how that's how I felt when we went to Spain and even in Thailand but it was like my fiance was like, just order something. If you can order something for yourself, it kind of takes out like the nerve of it because it's such a small thing of like, oh, can I get a coffee or, you know, like something quick like that. That's one thing. And so that really helped. Whenever I, we go to Mexico and granted it's like resort living, but I've always appreciated it because like my Spanish is okay. Like it seems to come back in this scenario where other people are speaking Spanish but I've always appreciated there, even though sometimes my Spanish is, like, horrific. I think they just, like, appreciate that I'm trying. <laughs> and then it's, like, building up my confidence of, like, I know I just completely butchered that. And it was terrible and it probably didn't make sense. But they're just, like, smiling at you. And then I'll ask them how to say it right. And they're just, like, so nice about it. And they're, like, I need yes, this learning I environment agree. for most languages. Because otherwise, I'm, like, I feel so stupid. So I've always really appreciated that when we go down there and people just like are just happy that you're trying and like they'll kind of play along and then translate. And I'm like, oh, you're so nice. <laughs> yeah, like, I completely agree. I don't know about you, but you when tried? I was in Japan, that was not like that. Like you butchered it and they just were like, you're an idiot. Please get away from me. And no. <laughs> yeah, I definitely just resorted to like pointing at things. Mm-hmm. of like oh and then like pointing to myself like I want this <laughs> kind of thing like very very minimal um but yeah I hear you it's fun and it's obviously more fun when people are engaged and receptive to you totally. attempting their language so what's the best coffee then oh man I'm a huge fan. We're in Texas, and so I'm a huge fan of Merit Coffee here. I'll shout them out. Um, and I, but what I've really been learning is like how to brew really well, and like pour overs, and mocha pots, and espresso, and what type of roast is better for what, and like the flavor wheel, and things like that. And it is a entirely it's a huge industry that I did not realize how big it was. And like all my props to all the baristas out there who are making great coffee because it's not easy. I've made some really shitty cups of coffee in an attempt to better what, what I'm doing. 
Um, but it's really fun and there's so many YouTube videos and the community is great and all these different resources too. And I think if you have an interest in how it tastes, you can go down that rabbit hole or where it's sourced from, you can go down that rabbit hole. And um, there's a lot of different avenues in it, which I really enjoy. And obviously I enjoy coffee itself. So my boyfriend is super like loves coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker because caffeine makes me crazy, but he, when I first met him, and we were moving in together. He had like one bag, like a duffel bag of clothes and then even more coffee supplies. Like that was the thing that he had. And I was like, what are you doing? But he has like all the things for all the different ways. And um, I grew, I've grown an appreciation for the ritual of what it takes. Cause you're so right. Like sometimes he would be in a hurry and he'd be like, okay, can you just, I, it's all set up. Can you just do this while I jump in the shower? And then I'd like do my best, but I wouldn't get the timing of it right. And, and like, or I'd forget to put, make the the mug hot so that when he poured the coffee into it, it didn't lose its temperature. And like, there were so many things that at first were really overwhelming. And as I learned about his nuanced ways of making his favorite cup of coffee, it did become this like beautiful ceremony almost, um, And I've actually gotten into cacao in the last six months and it feels very similar. It's like when I can sit and be really thoughtful about um, this is how hot the water needs to be. And then I need to make sure to have, you know, I smell it right away and there's like a whole ritual to it. And so I've appreciated um, that aspect of like something so seemingly mundane and quick that it can bring so much life and presence. Um, And then the industry itself, we had somebody on earlier this year who we knew from Milwaukee, who's all like, just loves, 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 loves coffee. He's in Austin and same thing. It's like so cool. He's like going to the different countries where they are being sourced and learning about it. And I think it's from a sustainability standpoint, it's a really cool model that has opened its doors to us being able to, to kind of see how it could work to actually honor different parts of the process and when you don't as well. So. Yeah, that is my dream that he's doing. Um, I would love to explore and like go visit different countries where coffee is sourced and the roasting and all that kind of stuff. Um, But that's amazing how supportive you are of your boyfriend's hobby and love for it. And it's funny, my fiance does not drink coffee as well. But he is like so understanding of me and when we were traveling was like, oh, let's get you a coffee and like make sure you have this. And it's fun to hear like both ends of it and to know that your relationship is similar in that regard, too. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a human. And sometimes I'm yeah. like, just drink the freaking hotel. I don't care. Like, and he's like, I, I can't function. And then I'm like, oh, my God, there's not going to be a pour over in the middle of nowhere right now. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I but know. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Is there like a way that or like a coffee that you can bring with somewhere? That's always my thing. Like with Celsius, I also can't function. But like, I always have a can with me. Otherwise, I know. I'll yeah, the there's totally yeah. There's, yeah, there's tons yeah. of options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think you kind of, at least from Dylan's standpoint, you just have to experiment. Because, like, 
like Lizzie was saying, there's different people prefer different kinds. Like my mom loves like oily darks. Dylan is like very a light roast all all day. And so he just has had to find his own iteration. I think he actually like he has like a little hand grinder. So if he's really in he goes through phases I've found of like being really into the making it be like the perfect pour over versus it like having a quicker cup. And when he's really in the ritual of it, he has like um this small hand grinder that he can just throw in his bag. And like, he has ways to kind of like single serving ways that he can like bring stuff with him to be able to do it himself. Um, but we, you have to get creative. So. I have so many points on that. I'm obsessed with you. I have the hand grinder because it's on my list. I have a folder on my browser saved with like all things coffee to buy. Eventually. Oh, that's amazing. Well, if you have any questions, hand grinder included. Yeah, yeah. If you have any questions, let me know. I I will ask him because I definitely am not the the person who knows. But (laughs) he's been at it for a little while, and he used to live out of his car, so he got kind of good at being able to to hack things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's cool. No. Hello, hello. Rachel and I are so excited. At the end of July, we are going to be teaming up with Her HQ to host Your Body's True North. This is a 75-minute movement and reflection workshop to reconnect and strengthen an authentic relationship with our bodies. We only get one body in this world, and it can actually be pretty easy to forget how incredible it is and how much knowledge and intelligence it has inside of itself. So through self-inquiry, embodiment, and connection, we are going to find the innate wisdom within our body during this workshop. We would love to have you all join us July 29th. Check out our Instagram for more information or go to her HQ. Back to the podcast. All right. I think we should introduce you since, um, yeah, let's do it. So you've been hearing Lizzie on the line and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast, um, Lizzie Summerbutt. And I met her when I first moved to Dallas. Um, as I started to get involved in the Lululemon community, it was one of the first names that I consistently, people consistently said to me, Rachel, you have to meet Lizzie. You have to meet Lizzie. You have to meet Lizzie because of the overlap in our interests. And so um, it has been so cool to have you as like an anchor. It, for me, you've kind of been this anchor in the community of somebody that I feel like I can go to to talk about life and who, who I am and growth and and all all sorts of honestly life things. Like I really feel like I could go to you and you would just hold space for me and it's been beautiful. So when I met Lizzie, she was the ASM of one of the stores here in Dallas on the on Knox Street. It's a really cool street store. Um, and she had just done a ton of cool stuff around community and being a stand for leadership and self-care her background is um, she has a master's in counseling and a true passion for self-care. Uh, and recently, so the reason we're having her on is she took us a, a year off and traveled all around. And so that is something that Janelle and I always are just drawn to people who are doing that. So we want to unpack that a little bit, especially as it happened during the time of a global pandemic. Uh, and most recently, as she's come back, she is... Um, looking into a new career path in sustainability. So 
I'm so excited to have you on, Lizzie. You are just like such a powerful human. And I think Dallas is very, very lucky to have you. And I am honored that our paths cross. So welcome to the True North Collective. Welcome. Thank you. That was like the sweetest intro. (laughs) Um, I'm going to save that. (laughs) Because that was truly just so kind. And I appreciate your words very much. So thank you. Of course. Yeah. You know, we don't often get to, I've noticed this when I bring people on and I have this moment in time to be able to like reflect on like, here's why I chose you. And this is what I feel that there's never really a platform to say that, that isn't like, Hey, I'm going to pull you aside and tell you how awesome you are, you know? So it is pretty cool Mm -hmm. that I have this, uh, this space to be able to share that with you and with some of the other people. Um, too. I actually did that a couple of weeks ago. What do you mean? Just, like, write people some letters. Oh my God, I should totally do that. Yeah. It was, I even think it was like in the middle of COVID too. And I was just like, oh, this is like very, it's a good gratitude practice too of like when everything else felt like shit. I'm like, why do I love all these amazing people in my life? And so anyway, just. I out. love that. True. Thank you. Thank you for that, Janelle. You're always so good at, even with our guests too, of being like, let's make it per- feel personal. And then I'm like, <clears throat> yes, you're right. <laughs> it's like trying to make it efficient. Um, so Lizzie, I would love to hear just a little bit about you. I know we got some from, from our intro there um, or before the intro, but just where you, how you got to where you are high level today. And then, um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. Well, I, I really feel like everything kind of started for me when I was in grad school for my counseling degree. And I had this moment where I just felt like maybe I don't know what to do with my life professionally, but I know that I'm learning so much about myself just from this program. That wasn't my intention to necessarily like fix anything or like fix myself, quote unquote, but I felt like I grew a lot and I unpacked it a lot. And I think as I think it just happens innately when you're in that setting. And I practiced for a little bit in more like community mental health with kids and just felt like the burden of the system. It's super poorly funded, definitely in Texas, Um, like community health is not well, well funded. And so it just felt the stress of that and actually found Lululemon on just, I literally drove by the store. It wasn't even finished yet. It was just had the rendering outside and I applied for a part-time role, decided to quit my job before I had this job part-time, but luckily I got hired. And what I found in Lululemon was incredibly incredibly surprising and I met some of the most amazing people who are truly genuine and I think are always aspiring for growth which seems to be a draw for those who enter into the Lululemon Collective and I think I was still able to put my counseling skills into play there with leadership and growing within the company and just meeting people and trying to build this community. So I guess fast forward and 
with Lululemon, we're regularly talking about our goals. And I had decided that I wanted to travel the world, take a year off when I turned 30, travel the world. And I probably wrote those when I was maybe like 26 or 27. And I am was really fortunate enough to be in a relationship with somebody who had spent the majority of his 20s traveling as well. And I asked him one day, I was like, hey, I have this goal of mine. I'm going to do it. Would you want to come? And he's like, yeah, no questions asked. And from there, we probably didn't really talk about it for another year. And then finally, I was like, I'm turning 30 in maybe like a year and a half. I'd like to start planning this. And we just started saving and heavily cut our spending, which included my obnoxiously a passion for eating out. I love to eat out and I definitely learned to cook a lot more trying to save for this trip, but we did it. And so we left, we actually left a year ago yesterday, uh, which was really like interesting to. That's so cool. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It was cool to see that and feel that, especially like during this time. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. And we, we came back, you mentioned during COVID. And so we actually came back to Dallas um, a little over two months ago, almost three months now. Did you have to cut your trip short? We did. Yeah. We you, did. So, Are you going to be able to go back to some of the, like, did you, I'm guessing you missed some places. Mm-hmm. We missed quite a few. Um, well, we, Honestly, talking about it at this point, by the time we left, we had probably changed our plans about like five, six, seven times. Um, I think the initial intention was to keep seeing a few more countries in Asia, and then we would actually come back to the States around like end of May, and we would travel from the West Coast down back to Texas, spend the summer. Come So we we would be already back in the States by beginning of summer, by this time anyway, but we would not be in Texas probably until like August was the original plan. So crazy. What was it like to be out there and then to be like hearing of this thing bubbling up? Oh my God, y'all. I felt like we were running away from it when, I know, I when we left because we... So to explain the whole trip, we spent, we left June 5th, 2019, and we stayed in Europe alone for about six months, Europe. And then we um, went up to the northern tip of Africa to Morocco. We did all of that in six months. We came back for a month in December to be in a wedding and we left again in January and January was dedicated to Australia and Asia. And then, like I said, like the West Coast of the state. And when we left in January, obviously the pandemic was growing in China and was spreading like rapidly mid-December there. And we left in January. We went to Australia. And as we, like our first day in Sydney is like, Sydney reports like the first three cases. Mind you, it's also we went really not thinking much about the pandemic, but thinking about the fires in Australia because where we were staying were like, it was pretty close to 
where they were. And so just like the trajectory, like we went to Sydney first and Melbourne. And so it was just kind of like, okay, we had to prepare ourselves for these. So I actually had purchased a bunch of N95 masks beforehand because we had just read how bad the smog was there. Um, and I have a history of asthma so and just terrible allergies in general. So I was like, maybe these will help us. Um, but yeah, but once we land in Sydney, it's like fires are still going. And then COVID is hitting Australia. We fly from Sydney to Melbourne. And at that point, everybody in the airport is wearing a mask. Melbourne is reporting their cases. Um, Cairns, I think, has some cases. Perth, like it's just starting to pop up in Australia. And we're like reading the news in in Thailand because that's where we were going to go next. That's where my family is. And it's, it's like fairly controlled in Thailand. Like maybe in all of the country, they have like 30 cases or something like that. And so we still go and we stay in Thailand for two months. Um, before we come back and then like hell breaks loose basically while we're there around the world. Dude, it's so crazy. I am in a coaching program right now or another coaching program and we have people from all over the world. And one of my buddy coaches that I like, we just connected is from Thailand. And so in mm-hmm. our, like every other week we meet and do a, like a coach exchange with each other. And as it was happening in Dallas, I was like, we're locked down, we're locked down. And she's like, we're not. And then all of, and then it was like, slowly, she was like, we're locked down now. And I was just like, it was crazy to see the different timings of everything. And like the mood shifts in people of like, it's yeah. so different to watch somebody else going through it versus once it's like at your front door. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So how did you... I mean, what was that experience like for you? I know when we've talked before, you were like, I don't know what I asked you. Probably like, what are you most proud of or something like that? Um, <laughs> but um, I remember you saying like how surprised you were or remembering how much you were able to, like you got to really feel like you could believe in yourself or trust yourself. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I do. I I do remember. I was surprised that I was not more anxious considering the state of everything. I have a history of anxiety. I've been on anti-anxiety meds. I've been on anti-depression meds. And I am just in my head all the time. So to really resort to the news and following a lot of news channels and really tapping into people that I trusted or meeting new people to hear about differing opinions on what was happening for whatever reason helped me feel a lot calmer and I was just spending more time out of my head and so what we actually decided to do kind of the game plan we actually did not want to come back to the states so we were in Thailand all of February and all of March and March is when it really just started booming around the world And we were seeing it obviously like all in Europe and just kind of knew, like we knew it was going to hit the state. We knew it was probably not going to be handled very well. And so we tried so hard not to come back. And we, it was probably one of my proudest moments, honestly, as silly as it might come to sound. But I just started looking at 
which countries were handling it really well. And it turns out like Taiwan and New Zealand. And so I reached out to people via Instagram, literally searching like a hashtag expats in Taiwan or expats in New Zealand and just started messaging people to see like what was the actual state of it there? How did they feel? Were they comfortable? Different news channels to follow to read it because we knew that our visas were expiring in Thailand and we had to leave either way. And so I was able to connect to people who I actually still keep in touch with, which is really fun. And um, those countries handled it so well. And we tried really hard to go. Like we bought tickets, we booked Airbnbs. And as it was getting worse, probably like the middle of March is when it really started to kind of ramp up again in Thailand and Southeast Asia Um, And in New Zealand and all these other places around the world, countries were shutting down their borders. So we essentially had to, we were lucky enough, we were refunded all of our flight stuff, but we couldn't get into those countries anymore. So it was like, well, we can't go anywhere. Obviously, the state of travel looks so different. We will come home. That's so wild. Yeah. How are, I mean, I'm impressed that you said that you actually didn't feel consumed by anxiety because I can't even imagine just like feeling, I mean, I guess right now in my own life, like I've had a lot of moments lately where I'm like, I don't know where you're going to be living in 10 days. I don't know what you're doing in two weeks for myself. (laughs) And I'm like just filled with anxiety. So, I mean, did you, is there like just like a trust that you had or do you feel like you had a backup plan? Like what helped you just stay present and not completely just spiral out um I think I think I just had to keep repeating to myself that if I worry about it I will get more worked up and what will that do for me like what would that actually serve me and even I think getting a little bit more technical to it as well that like when I'm in this state of anxiety, I'm probably locking down or shutting down my immune system. So I'm not really going to be in a great place to fight off anything if I do get it. And this might be a terrible thing or a way to think as well, but it's almost like, well, if I get it, then I get it. Like, I don't want to be so afraid to where I just cannot function of something that I can't see. And if I get it, I have to figure it out you know like it just is what it is and I think I think to be able to say those few things to myself every day and also like be with somebody who was also very resourceful in terms of reading the news and not not overly reading the news because I think you can obviously overdo that and create anxiety within that but I think being mindful enough about the time that we spend what we read and just trying to get as much correct information as possible helped weirdly in a way like soothe me the other thing that's coming up for me which might not be true or not but I was like you were probably moving around more than if you like I can't believe how sedative I've been especially now that we're going into summer it's so freaking hot outside I can't even like pop my head out the window without feeling like I'm going to pass out. Um, but like you were mo- it, in my perception, it seems like when you're traveling around, like you are physically moving 
um, and active. There's like an innate activeness in it, which I think supports overall well-being. And then I wonder too if um, you're because because you guys were in this space of um, like you were you were stepping into an, an, a more agile and flexible lifestyle that I wonder if that kind of allowed you to bob and weave a little bit and to recognize like we can figure this out. And so there was like an underlying something there as well as your self-care practice. Like I, I mean, I follow you on Instagram and you're such a proponent of proactive self-care. Um, do you think that may have had a, anything to do with it too? Just like that foundation? I think yes and yes to all of those things. I think it definitely helps that we <clears throat> had been living a fairly nomadic style for so long that we were already used to just rolling with the punches and going with it. We, I'm a very type B go with the flow person anyway. And then like the uncertainty of it never quite bothered me as much as just the fear of getting this disease but I do think, yeah, that because we had been able to be, or we had already lived a little bit more flexibly, um, that probably attributed to less concern and less anxiety over it. And I do think that what I was able to practice with self-care, like all these years, I think really helped and self-care on the road and handling my bouts of anxiety that had already popped up, you know, from traveling and I think learning and understanding what that meant for me and what I needed to do for that was really just very, very confident um, in helping me deal with my anxiety. I am like jumping. I'm, I'm trying. I like got really quiet because I'm I'm trying not to monopolize the conversation selfishly. Um, because I'm planning on doing something somewhat similar and I'm like, tell me all your logistics of like <laughs> leading up to the trip <laughs> and the uncertainty. And like, were you, were you mostly staying in Airbnbs, like hotels, hostels, all of the above? Like, did you plan a lot of this out in advance or did you just kind of like plan a month out and then go from there? And I'm totally changing the conversation. So if we have more to talk about the pandemic, we can. <laughs> no, go for it. I love this question because it's kind of fun to talk about it. Um, we stayed in Airbnbs like probably 90% of the time. We were really fortunate when we were traveling with Europe. Out of our six months there, six weeks of our stay were either with friends or family friends that we knew and there's actually a really good resource that I learned about years ago had forgotten and rediscovered that we were traveling called oh now I'm gonna forget it called work away work away w-o-r-k-a-w-a-y and you can essentially search for search via country and People post that they need work done on their homes or cottages or whatever, and you can stay there in exchange for work. And we actually did that for 11 days in Ireland and helped these dog breeders take care of like 11 Dobermans, um, which was pretty insane. But 
it's a great way to travel. It's a great way to meet people in that country. Again, like be safe. I think everything be safe, but we never felt um, unsafe. I mean, we were even Airbnbs. We stayed in some shitty Airbnbs. Like we have ranked a top five city wise of the worst Airbnbs that we stayed at. And that was when we were trying to just cut budget so hard. Um, we actually found Airbnbs were more beneficial for us as a couple versus a couple suite or a couple room at a hostel price wise, they were fairly similar. And so we're like, we might as well go for the Airbnb. And yeah. Um, I don't remember what else you asked. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I'm just like fascinated. I'm already like, what is this thing that you're talking about? Um, and looking it up, but I'm always just fascinated like by the logistics too. And I, I guess my, the second part of my question was, did you find that you had planned a lot of it in advance or did you just feel like you were like planning a month out or two months out and then just like deciding where, where do you want to go next? Or did you basically map the entire thing out? So it was tricky for us. We, we did both when we were in Europe Um, with the, I don't know where you're traveling and we can always talk more about this too, but within your, within the continent of Europe, there's the EU and then there's also this area called the Schengen region. And as U.S. citizens, we can travel to Europe freely with an automatic 90 day visa. So we can travel within Europe for 90 days, whatever. Once that 90 days is up, you have to, is up, you have to leave if you stay for a consecutive 90, you have to leave for a consecutive 180 before you can re-enter. Well, we obviously were like, we can't do that. And we looked into getting actual temporary visas, which pretty much can like, you get a visa stamp and you can stay within Europe for, I think, six months to a year, depending on the type that you get. But that would require us to put down money on a place or a hotel reservation for six months like we had to prove essentially temporary residency and you can always play the game of refund your money back and their site there's actual businesses dedicated to people doing that where it's like they'll take your money reserve you a hotel print you out all the information and then they'll will fully refund you we had saved a certain amount of money and so we just didn't want to play that game of like what if we don't get it all back and this kind of stuff so we going back to what the Schengen region is probably like your more popular countries. Like we all think of that are in the same jurisdiction. And so you can travel within there freely. You can hop out of the Schengen region and it does not affect your 90 days. It's in the, it essentially pauses like the consecutive amount of days that you spend within the EU. So there's 26 European countries in the Schengen and we had to hop in and out because we had people who were coming to visit us in as late as November. And we were in Europe as early as June. And so we were like, okay, how do we figure this out? It's like the UK is not in the Schengen. So we spent um, probably almost a month between like Scotland and England. Um, Croatia is not, we went to Montenegro and we hopped out and we went to Morocco just to kind of pause that visa run 
so that we could stay in Europe all the way through December. So to your point of did we map things out, we mapped out like to the day, to the 90 days, how what we were spending in each country that was in that particular area. But then we wouldn't book anything probably until about a month. And if we wanted to change anything, like I just would go into my little doc and update it and count days and whatever. Like we did have to be a little bit strategic about that. But overall, I would say we probably wouldn't book anything until about like a month out, including which included airfare or train tickets, Airbnbs. And we just kind of wanted to see what would happen if we changed our minds and all that kind of stuff. How did you figure out how much money you needed to save? (laughs) (laughs) I did not figure this out. Clayton, my fiance, figured this out for us. He found a couple sites of people who had blogged similar blogged about similar trips that they had taken and estimated that you can probably spend one person could spend around like twenty thousand dollars for a year which is really not that much a day. And we got to saving and kind of like, we're like, okay, if that's what it takes, then we should save 20K between the both of us. So 40 total. And kind of as we got through it, we were like, oh, maybe this, it seems really low. And it like doesn't include, you know, any extra things that you want to do. It's like really basic if you just live, if you like stay in a hostel or an affordable Airbnb and eat fairly cheap, which is kind of our plan anyway, we we're like, oh, we're going to cook and all this kind of stuff. But then, you know, you start talking about like, oh, well, we want to do this or I want to go here and see this. And we're going to spend time with these friends in this country. We should do X, Y, Z. So we we saved much more than 40, but just so that we could be fairly comfortable but honestly, like we probably spent 20K in six months in Europe um, between like the both of us. Like we came back for the holiday and we were looking at our budget. And we were like, we really need to figure this out when we leave again. Um, like I said, we saved well over 40 in what we had intended because we knew we wanted to do certain things and we just wanted a cushion by no means had we ever planned to blow it out of the water we definitely wanted to try our best to come back with a cushion because we weren't working and that's when we got creative with things like work away or just asking friends of family and friends of friends if we could stay with them Um, like we stayed in Thailand with my family for free Um, for two months which is great and traveling in places like Asia we knew we could probably save a lot more because of how cheap the food is and lodging and things like that so um, but honestly he just Rachel to your answer he found a few blogs and estimated that and then we just kind of added more to it if we could yeah yeah that makes sense it's it's funny because it's like when you think of at least for me when I think of something it's easy to just like overwhelm it. And then when I just take a breath and then I'm like, okay, well, how do I figure out how much money I need to live currently? (laughs) Okay. Let me just do the same thing there. (laughs) You know, let me get the information. And yeah. So 
It's cool. Okay, this is a super yeah. logistical question, and then I have more of like a high level question. But what did you guys do for health insurance? That is a great question. Um, we bought it through World Nomad. You can buy travel insurance, so it covers like stolen luggage, defunct flight, um, some like medical, there's two different levels to it. And so you can obviously have it cover different, different needs based on what you're looking for. But we had that for, I think it only lasts six months. So you do have to renew it. Um, if you plan on traveling for a longer period of time, but that's all that we had. So yeah. I was just talking to someone the other day about insurance because they traveled a ton and they're like, oh, I don't know. I just never paid my hospital bills. They go away eventually. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's the plan I want. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that ballsy. So um, <laughs> we definitely, neither of us are. So we definitely bought travel insurance and we never needed it. But of course, it's comforting to know that if something did happen. Um, we had something to fall back on and, and yeah, and it was pretty, it's pretty easy to figure out, but world nomads is the site for that. Lizzie, when were you in Morocco? Do you remember? <gasps> um, vaguely, I do remember, I believe it was in November. Yeah, I think you were. Cause I think you may I have been there. there. I think you may have been there when I was in Egypt and I was showing Dylan photos. I was like, look, my friend's in Morocco. And he's like, oh my gosh, should we just stay late? Like knock it on the plane back to the United States and go to Morocco? Because it's, I mean, from what we could tell, it's fairly affordable to go visit it. Maybe oh, I had a different yeah. experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think like the biggest bulk of it is getting there. So like yeah. Egypt to Morocco is probably fairly affordable you're on that side of the world. Um, I love Morocco so much. I will go back. I know I will go back in my lifetime. And I think everybody should go visit it. I, yeah, I really do. And I don't know if you have this connection with Egypt. I've never been Egypt is on my list to go. But it was just one of those places that I felt very connected to the country. And I was so fearful. Honestly, I was very like we both were really anxious going there and I was not sure one like dress code I want to honor. I want to be respectful to the culture and the people and I just didn't know what to expect. I had no idea and we got there and I was like that was so so silly and I totally get those feelings that they come up of just feeling something different and being afraid of the unknown as insensitive as it is and as unnecessary as it was for me to feel that way. I, I think those are true feelings that people experience regularly. And of course, once you get there, when you're in that position of doing the thing that you were so worried about doing, it kind of washes away. And I felt so connected to to the people there and they were so kind and so friendly and everybody that we met, I truly enjoyed being in the presence of, I 
loved learning about their history and culture. And our Riyadh was next to a mosque. And it was really neat to be part of that, as naive as I might sound, but I I just loved seeing people like openly practice their culture. And if anything that this trip taught me, if anything is to be truly, truly open and accepting of how other people live and that it's not my, if I'm in their place of living, of worship, of life, I just want to be respectful of it and to observe and to learn. And that's what I felt when I was there. And I will 100% go back. I can't wait. I hope you go too. I hope everyone goes. Yeah, I, Egypt, it was probably, I mean, I knew I wanted to go before we were going. There were definitely people being like, you shouldn't be going. What are you doing? And I was, I don't know. I, I didn't have that sense maybe because um, my parents are pretty like safe. Um, like they'll go out on limbs. Like they'll do stuff that other people won't, but they're not you know, just like overtly putting themselves in harm's way. And there are definitely some moments like we got off the the plane in the airport and we had no idea who we were meeting with. And the guy that we met with barely spoke English. And like we, he walked us to this van, this unmarked van that was kind of seemed like towards like this weird area of the airport. And all of us are like, I feel like I trust this guy, but like this could totally end terribly. And then he was like, you have to give me all the money now for the full, because we were there for over two weeks. And he was part of the tour group that they were, the the group I was with partnered with a tour group in Egypt, um, who's amazing, called the Soul of Egypt. And they required the money right there, cash right there, because that's how they pay. And, And it was like, all of us were like, okay, so... If like we're all here together, it, it like it was fine, and like it's one of those things where, to your point, you kind of we kind of just like I mean, you really are checking in with yourself, and like I feel safe, even though I've been told this thing, this circumstance that I'm kind of in could could potentially not be safe, and it was like the most amazing people so welcoming, so friendly. I 100% agree with you. Like hearing the the prayers over the loudspeakers at the specific times during the day was like, I missed it coming back. Like seeing and experiencing something that like brings everybody together at the same time. I don't, I mean, we don't have that here in the United States. Um, it's so vocal, like so openly. Um, and so I, I loved it. I cried when I, when we were going to be coming back. I. I absolutely will be going back to Egypt, to Morocco, to so many other places. Like it just, it was absolutely life-changing. So I can for sure relate, relate on, on all the levels that you're saying. I have a question for both of you. Um, When it comes to your traveling, because we've been having a lot of conversations around intuition on the podcast how did intuition play into your travels, whether it be staying safe or, I don't know, maybe it's even just like doing things that are calling to you or experiences that maybe just like showed up and you're like, yeah, 
fuck yeah, let's go do it. How did how did that play into it? I can I'll say that for me, I was surprised. It was more like just paying attention to it. I feel like I had a heightened sense of my intuition while I was traveling. And just, it was interesting to me, the things that were like, ooh, no. And the things that were, that I thought would have been, <laughs> like, I was like, really? You're totally fine right now? And so it was kind of, for me, a balance of the head and the heart. Um, and just asking myself, like, okay, I don't know. There was like a, it felt now that I'm reflecting on it, almost like listening to the gut, but then checking in with my head of like, you know, is this, is that, is this fear? Is this real? What is actually the scariest thing that could happen? Are you okay if that would happen? Like I might not want it to, but if it did, would it really ultimately be the worst thing in the world? And is it an experience that I'm willing to try? Like I kind of had to like weigh out. Um, and I don't know if, I really was taking that much time. It was like pretty quick that that was happening. But um, like there was one moment where we we went to this pyramid that's like far. So we we went to a ton of pyramids when we were out there. Every single day we were driving to like places that mostly the public can't get into. But because of our tour guides and then the tour group we were with, we had access and we would have to make sure to be out before sunset. And there was like all these safety protocols, which honestly, a lot of times seems a little bit extreme, but, um, but you know, I, I appreciated them nonetheless. But anyways, we went to this, um, one pyramid and kind of off to the side of the pyramid was, and I am not going to remember the name of it right now, but I think it's cat, I think it was catacombs. Um, but you basically, in order to see this, the, the, uh, sarcophagus that was, it's crazy. Like these huge, granite things are built and how they got there. And anyways, that's a whole other thing. But in order to see it, you have to like crawl underground on your stomach, like barely fitting through this, this whole, this, um, tunnel to get to it. And I really wanted to do it. Like, I was like, I really want to do this. I really want to do this, but I was nervous. And ultimately I chose not to, because as I started to crawl in, I just like something, I just, I, I totally freaked out. Dylan, on the other hand, was like, I'm super scared. I'm going. And it was safe. Like, our the guy who was leading it is amazing. And, like, I would literally trust him with my life 100%. But there was something for me that it was like, you know what? I It's okay if I don't see that. And I'll hear the people who got to see it. And so it's just interesting how like Dylan was totally safe. It was probably one of the coolest things he'd experienced. I didn't regret not going. And so it was a, a combination for me of listening and then being okay and not beating myself up either way. Just like, cool, that was the experience I chose to have and it's okay. So I don't know if that's the clearest answer, but that's kind of what came up for me when you asked it. Oh, totally. I I connect with that yeah. too. Just also like trusting your abilities and like knowing your limits at, the time even on a lot of the backpacking I've been doing like someone does something else and like you can jump off this fucking giant rock into the water and I'm like nope because if I don't trust my abilities it's not gonna end well like if I trusted that I could do it I could probably do it but like I'm not there yet but Lizzie I'm, I'm curious to hear hear your take on intuition and traveling as well yeah I my automatic zone I guess to fall back into is 
to be afraid um, of something new. That unfortunately is probably 90% of the time where my brain and my feelings go if I'm going somewhere unfamiliar and I guess truly just new. I'm afraid and I'm worried, maybe not afraid, but I'm like very worried about it. And what I learned while we were traveling to all of these places was that like, I don't want to live in that state of mind all the time. Like I took this trip to enjoy myself and to grow in this regard too, to hopefully like move past that. And so for me, honestly, it was really just about making wherever I was seem more personable which for me was just getting to know people. And so it was like, if I just got to know the front desk people of of the hotel we were staying or the Riyadh that we were staying in, and then asking them, where should we go eat? Or who do they know? And then like making sure to get to know them or like talking to the waiter at the restaurant and, or going back a few times and actually getting to know them really helped me tremendously calm down and, I think specifically with Morocco going somewhere so unfamiliar. And honestly, we didn't research it. I was like, let's go. And then we're both on this high of like, yeah, we're going to go to Morocco. We're going to go to Morocco. And like none of, we didn't look up anything, which we definitely should have just to calm myself down. And also just to know where to go in Morocco in Marrakesh. But when we got there and we just kind of set our stuff, we got there in the evening. It was like, okay, we need to go eat. And we went out to eat and just kind of talked to the waiter a little bit and talked to some other people around us. And it just really like by the time we went back to dinner, like we walked there, we came back at night. I felt so safe and so comfortable and could really, truly enjoy everything. And I think I for me, I do that because I feel and I believe I have a pretty good read on people and I'm really quick to pick up not necessarily energy, but if I enjoy this person or if I don't, or if this person has a quality about them, then I don't want to, you know, I don't know, be part of or something like that, then I will move on and that kind of stuff. And I really trust that part of myself. And so to force myself into situations to meet people to kind of pick up on who they are really helped me feel more comfortable. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, really it. I love that call out of asking yourself, what are the things that you would need to, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but what are the things that I will would need to do to be able to like feel set up um, in this in this space so that I am not operating from a place of, of fear? I think that's a, and being able to connect with peop- the people um, is huge. I know when Dylan and I, we do a lot of road tripping, where we'll just like get in our car and then we'll drive to a place that we thought we wanted to go. And then we get there and then we're like, "Mm, let's keep going (laughs) or like whatever. But um, we kind of have this unwritten rule between the two of us that if one of the two of us feels any, whether it's fear or whatever, anything, if it's like, "Mm, I don't really want to stay here. We just like, there's not like a question or a digging in. We just are like, cool, we're going to stay someplace else. And like, he's had a few more experiences than I have of like having guns pulled on him and stuff like that. So um, like that, that stuff is real. And, and like, that's, that's never happened to me. And there's kind of just this, we have an understanding between the two of us that 
if one of the two of us feels something off, we just trust it and we both shift gears and we do something different or we get to a place where we're like, okay, we good. And we don't, I don't know. We never really like sit in that too long, but there is something cool about traveling with somebody where you just have that kind of, um, that mutual trust in each other's intuition too. Um, so there's almost like a gut check. So I feel like that's kind of when you're saying making sure that you meet people so that you can, um, almost like suss it out for yourself. For me, a way to kind of feel set up is knowing that the person I'm traveling with is, is kind of connected to themselves too. And that there's like a mutual trust in each other's ability to, to navigate to. I think that's beautiful. And I'm thinking, can we do this all the time? (laughs) More often. I mean, yes, of course we can, but (laughs) I mean, it is just like, I, I like both of you have said this and I think it's really interesting you're like, it was quick. Like you were just kind of like, yes, you're analyzing. Yes. You're making sure that there's a balance, but for the most part, it's like a quick decision. Like, you know, and then you act. Well, and two, I think the quickness for me also came in. Sometimes I was quick to avoid something that I realized was not necessary. And so on all sides, it was like quick to forgive myself, quick to quick to adjust because I maybe it's because I was in such a new place too that I was like in a learner learner's mind, a beginner's mind. At least for me, it's like I knew I wasn't going to get some things right, but I was going to do the best I could. And then I was like just in this place of like, oh, I could have done that. Okay, I'm going to do that this time then, and not or not like beating myself up about it, which was super helpful. Um, I, I would love, I know we're kind of reaching the, the end of our time, but I would love to just hear how self-care like showed up for you and has supported you in being yourself. I think we in like inadvertently got to how you can be yourself while traveling or stay connected to yourself while traveling without overtly saying it, which I think is really cool, but I'd love to hear I know self-care is super important to you and how has that played a role in you being you? Yeah, I, to be honest, I felt like I had a really huge shift in what self-care and wellness looked like for me while we were traveling in a positive way. And I will say beforehand, I think everything that I did and I talked about on Instagram or just with people in general one before we had left it's all very true I think it's all about taking care of your mental health I stand by the idea that your self-care practice should solve for something that you are dealing with mentally I don't think that you need to bombard your life with a giant self-care to-do list because at the end of the day like is that really solving anything if they are solving something though, then I think that you will reap the greatest benefits from whatever it is that you're doing. If it is taking a bath, like let that bath truly soothe you or be a space to think about something to solve a problem or to just relax and to meditate, et cetera, et cetera. But like have everything in your self-care practice, do it with an intention to 
alter, to change, to move into your mental health state or move through it. And for me, while we were gone, I didn't have all of my things. And very purposefully, I knew that and didn't pack a ton of stuff either. I had, I think I had a journal and uh, maybe like a few things here and there. I had maybe like one or two crystals that were like very travel specific that I picked up and essential oils, but like maybe that was really it. anything that could pack and could stay in a carry on in a backpack is what I took with me, which wasn't that much. And my greatest insight into self-care while we were abroad that I want to try so hard to continue on here is the I is just less doing less living with less feeling less stressed like putting less into my life into my body that's unnecessary was so freeing I remember being very anxious when we went to Iceland which is our first first stop because I had essentially gone from working with my best friends and working with and being people facing like 40 hours a week to being with my fiance in a van because we road tripped through Iceland, just us. And so I felt like I was in a very like dichotomous environment within 14 days and was very anxious and just kind of let it release because at the end of the day, like I had to, I didn't have anything. I couldn't take a bath. I mean, I guess I could jump into like a hot spring there, but I just had to sit and breathe and be outside and which sounds so silly at the time because I think we all know that like you know just take a break and go outside but to really do it and not and feel as if I like that was my only resort was a huge release and then to be able to move and travel with not a lot but just myself and my partner and the world was like so gratifying and I just learned that what self-care looked like for me at that time was so much less about me too. I'm kind of like diverting now. Um, I would say like another thing that I added into my self-care practice was connecting with people. Like I, I needed to meet new people and I wanted to so bad. I wanted to learn about their culture and I wanted to know where I was and connecting with those people and like reading the news of the country that I was in to understand and talking about politics and interests and things like that was like so fulfilling to where I, I felt so great. I felt incredible. Um, and I think whether you're traveling or not, be understanding that your self-care practice will evolve. And at some point, once you have taken care of, your internal, your personal grievances, or I don't want to call them problems, but whatever it is that you're dealing internally, like look and see what outwardly self-care practices there can be, because that was probably one of like my biggest shifts was just relying on other people and their stories um, to truly fulfill me. And I felt like that I have learned so much from that than I could have learned from anything that I had done myself. 
Ugh, I am having like a standing ovation, clapping, like yes. Well, and I just I love I love the permission to allow yourself to minimize the list of self care things that you've like that I've deemed like I have to do this and then this and then this and this this and then this. Um, Because I'm new to routine, I really um, avoid it at all costs. But I've gotten into Enneagram, and my number actually really needs routine. in order to be at the, the healthier and um but the invitation to be able to choose one thing and like trust that it's okay that not all of them got done but go deep in that one thing and really experience that one thing really connect with myself through that one thing um that I love I'm I'm taking away that invitation and the other funny thing is the other way that my num- my enneagram number says that I can move into a healthy state is by serving, serving from a place of already like feeling whole and then serving others. And both of those things I heard so, so strongly in what you said. Um, so yeah, going deep with less. I love that. Yeah, that was exactly it. And I love what you said about serving. I think that's a great way to kind of sum it all up. Yeah. Well, we always ask one last question. Um, if you or how do you live your true north in one word today? Today, living my true north is in my brain not the simplest answer. And so I'm going to try hard to explain it as well as possible. But I think. I think to continue to take the lessons that I learned and experiences, things that I felt and make an impact. Um, I don't know, you know, clearly what that looks like, but I would be a fool to leave behind everything that that year has taught me and to come back to how I was before we left. I might be in the same city. I might be back with my friends and my family, which I'm so grateful for. But my true north has shifted tremendously. And I think to move about with a sense of impact and change is where I'm at and what what I'm here to do now. So is your one word impact? Yeah. My one word is impact. That's so Thanks cool. for summing it all up. <laughs> <laughs> there always is one person that's really good at doing that. And that is not. <laughs> <laughs> I I love this conversation. I heard traveling is also maybe a form of self-care. I know it is for me. Um, yes. And it's so easy to forget or to for me to like make all the excuses in the world. But it's been cool. Janelle and I are kind of on parallel paths right now of um figuring out how that becomes just an integrated part, a sustained and integrated part of our lives. And I don't know, it's just, it's cool to both seem to have the same vision on actually all three of us. Like there, it, there's a similarity to the passion behind this and the, yet the form of it that shows up can be so unique even across three people. Like 
the way Janelle was leaning towards doing it is is different than me um, and is different than the way you have and probably will too, Lizzie. And I think that's really cool too. So thank you so much for this conversation. I, first of all, your presence is like the most calming thing ever. So I don't know <laughs> if you could like speak or <laughs> thank you. Yourself. Like I am so chill right now. And walking into this, I was definitely having some um, residual anxiety from the week because it's kind of been a crazy week. So um, just thank, thank you for your openness and your heart. You're awesome. Of course. Thank y'all. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This has been really fun and just truly enjoyable to, to be a part of, especially right now. So thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Lizzie, too, before we jump off, if people want to get a hold of you or see your travels, is there a place that they can do that? Yeah, girl, it is all online. I'm on the gram. Um, Yeah, Lizzie Samabut, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-S-O-M-A-B-U-T is my handle, first and last name. And it's all there. I'm public, so... (laughs) I'm you can see it. You, <laughs> you can see it. Yeah. You will if you literally were like trying to like tip the scales of whether or not you wanted to travel her Instagram is you're gonna be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.